Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that you would take charge of this service, Lord. We're thankful for these grand hymns that we can sing. Lord, our prayer is that everyone here will remember that day, that time when heaven did come down and glory filled their soul, when they trusted you as their Savior. Lord, if there be one here today that has not yet reached that point, we pray that at least this time would be a step closer, if not the very day of their trusting you as their Savior. We ask that you would be honored and glorified, and Lord, that you would give us just a little glimpse, Lord, much greater than we have right now, but a little glimpse of your great love. We ask you to help us today to worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Please remember to... Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to try to deal with a subject that is just too large to be dealt with. In fact, I believe before the end of the message, we'll be able to show that it will take all of eternity to try to comprehend this subject, and that subject, of course, is God's love. God's love is expressed toward us in so many ways, we cannot, though we think we do, we cannot begin to understand God's love. But we should expend effort in that direction. Amen? We should work on asking and praying and seeking God to open the eyes of our soul to understand His love. As a church, as a corporate body together, as the body of Christ, we need to strive to understand God's love. It's really the solution. Are you suffering in this life? An understanding of God's love will solve that problem. Is someone trying to hurt you? An understanding of God's love will help you deal with that. Are you struggling with sin and temptation? A greater understanding of God's love is your only protection. I don't know what each of us as individuals are dealing with, and you know, that's really a good thing, isn't it? Not to know what's going on in everyone else's soul, because there's enough going on in your own soul that needs to be dealt with. We have this tendency as human beings to go find someone just a little worse off or a whole lot worse off than we are to make us feel a little bit better about What's going wrong in our own life? Can I tell you that's not a positive way of dealing with things? The way of dealing with it is finding out what's going on in my own life and going to God with that. And guess what that's going to do? It's going to give me patience to put up with others. This is what the apostle meant when he said, esteeming others 
better than ourselves. It's not that I walk around going, oh man, I'm just the dumbest guy in the whole place and I'm just so messed. That, that's, uh, there's just no words that describe that. Uh, that's not what God wants you to do. In esteeming others better than yourself, what you're doing is, I don't have the ability to redirect this other person's life because I got to take care of the problems that are in mine. Does that vaguely sound like the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, the moat in your brother's eye and the beam in your... Well, that's what it was intended to... And God's love is what frees us from that. Is if we could just get a hold, if we could just understand. And this passage here in Ephesians chapter 2, and and we're going to read verses 1 through 10... Is just an illustration of that. It's just one of the ways that God just kind of cracks open the door and lets us look in a little bit at the light of his love. If the door were to swing open completely, our minds couldn't comprehend it. And so he gives us an opportunity to just see a little bit, to experience just a touch of his love. Now let's read here Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We read these words. And of course, if you've been around our church very long, if you're familiar at all with the gospel, you have heard Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. But we forget often to put it in the context of verse 10, and we hope to do that in just a few moments. But let's go back to the beginning of, of the passage that we're looking at. It says, and you 
hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses in sins. Now that word quickened simply means made alive. I want to challenge you that you cannot make something alive that isn't already dead. You follow what we're saying here? He's saying, you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, let me explain very quickly before we go on. Man does not have the power to make alive. He can keep alive. Uh, I've met many people over the years and they said, but pastor, what do you think about near-death experience? I said, you just answered it right there. I said, well, what do you mean? I, I said, it's a near-death experience. Because no one except Lazarus and a few people recorded in the scripture can tell you what a real death experience is. And by the way, the Bible doesn't record that Lazarus ever said anything about what he experienced while his body was in the tomb for four days. Lazarus was dead. Jesus was dead. He's the one that tells us what that death experience is. Amen? But we, we live in a world that is just fascinated with death. Vampire stories. The living dead. I, I want to challenge you. You don't need to go to uh, fantasy to find the living dead. Most human beings are. How many of you remember when you got saved? Okay, well, before you were saved, you were part of the living dead. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. When you live in sin, you're dead to the things of God. How many of you remember the struggle it was when you went to possibly a false religion and you thought that by doing certain things and participating in ceremonies and putting money in the offering plate, well, I was a student in Bible college. One of my fellow students brought in a paper. He said, I got to show this to you, professor. It was a paper given to his grandfather by one of the popes that, says, that said, because of your donation and your generosity, you and all of your progenity after you are full and free, forgiven for every sin that they could ever commit. And uh, the first question the professor asked, how much money did your grandfather give the Pope? He said, well, in, in those, if we were to bring it out, he said it was about a, uh, equal to a million dollars. This was way, way back in the, uh, at the turn of the previous century. Uh, do you think God's going to be impressed 
when you wave that paper in his face? To think that you could purchase the blood of Jesus Christ with money? Do you know anything more worthless than money? That's why you spend it all the time. Because you would rather have something else than the money, right? How many of you are glad we have electricity instead of money? Hello? And yet, people do all kinds of things thinking that somehow they're going to be made alive. Only God has that power. But until you look at yourself and understand who and what you are, you're never going to touch it. Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus. He was giving them explanation. He was trying to build up their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I want you to understand that God quickened you. He made you alive because you were dead. You were dead in trespasses and sins. And no matter what you did, Getting back to finishing our previous sentence. How many of you remember the struggle that you went through trying to get that life through doing good things and trying to please God? I'm reading the memoirs of Benjamin Franklin. And contrary to popular belief in nomenclature, he was a man very concerned about morality and personal holiness in your living. In fact, he was so concerned that he tried to even make his own religion. And he said, I never got quite that far, but I had a little book that listed my virtues that I was excelling for, and he said, I, I made it erasable. He did it actually on leaves of ivory so he could write on it with a grease pencil and wipe it off the next day. He said, as I begin to apply my virtues, I found out I had a lot more faults than I thought I did. Amazing. It's a good thing to understand that you're faulty. But if you want life, you've got to bring those faults to Jesus. Amen. Now let's look at the next verse. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. You know, hell is going to be full of people saying, but I did the best I could. How many times have you thrown your hands up and say, but I'm doing the best I can. Isn't that good enough? Uh, let me ask you a question. When is the best you could ever been good enough? I mean, if you work a job that requires anything more than just showing up and being able to sign your name on your back of your paycheck, somebody had to give you some kind of training, did they not? We have this 
idea that this younger generation just grows up knowing how to build websites and all this stuff, uh, and they know every little gadget. You know why my kids know how to use my phone better than I do? Because when I use my phone, I make phone calls. When they use my phone, but dad, you don't know how good a picture your phone takes. I don't take pictures. It's a phone. I don't spend time. that I try not to spend time with my phone. I'd rather spend it with my wife and my children. Amen? They're, they're trying to make these phones that will talk back to you. Uh, Siri does not communicate well with me. Uh, I even asked it a question one time when it was supposed to. That's the little voice that talks back from your phone. And I said, can you find this? And no, I can't find that right now. <laughs> I think what it was saying was, I don't like you. Well, it goes both ways, amen? But the reason these kids know everything about computers is because that's where they spend their time. If you spent as much time taped to a computer keyboard as your children do, you would know as much as they do. The only problem is you've got, one, you've got a couple of other things on your plate as an adult. Uh, it's called living and, and providing for those children. Uh, listen, we walk, we have walked in the course of this world. You will walk in the course of this world. You will do the best that you can. It's part of human nature. There are still, praise God, still very few people that get up in the morning and try to do the worst that they can do. There are very few people that just set out doing evil. I want to challenge you, the greatest perpetrators of evil in our society are trying to do right. These people that go out and murder people and commit, the, they're trying to set things right. They just don't know how. God forbid that somebody should show them the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. I mean, it, it might affect them. I would to God that it would, amen. Somebody sent me a, a little email the other day. It said, I think I'm moving to Oklahoma. They just voted to put the Ten Commandments on every public building in the state. ACL said you can't do that. They're going to do it anyway, amen. Uh, I, I like that. That used to be the way that it was. But... I want to challenge you, even when the Ten Commandments were on every building and in the hearts and minds of every person living in the United States, people, the majority of people still walked in the course of this world. Hello? You see, it says here, According to the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. 
He's in charge. If you were here Thursday night, we're going through the Gospels. We're dealing with the temptations of Jesus. He offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world. How could he do that? Well, they belong to him right now, temporarily. Because the kingdoms of this world have sold themselves to Satan because of their sin. You didn't really um, sign a contract, but when you reject God, there's only one other alternative. He said, but I have my own way. Uh, No, there's only two ways. There's only the broad way and the narrow way. There's only two ways. And when you walk down that broad way, even though you're doing the best that you can, you're doing what's right in your own eyes, you're still walking in the course of this world and you're still under the authority of the prince and power of the air. He is the spirit that is working in the children of disobedience. Let me give you just one horrendous example. Uh, I was just listening to a talk show a while back and he, the talk show host was talking about crazy things people do. Somebody discovered that by taking a certain species of toad and licking it, you can get high. Now, let me ask you a question. How many normal people walk around saying, hmm, that looks like a toad. I wonder what it tastes like. Woohoo! I got a buzz. I'm going to do this again. Hey, come over here. Lick this toad and see if you do the same thing I do. Where does that stupidness come from, my friend? It comes from the prince of the power of the air. How many of you have accidentally discovered something filthy and vile? Where does that come from? It comes from the prince of the power of the air who's working. Why do these young people think that it's okay to smoke marijuana and then find themselves addicted to all kinds of terrible, terrible drugs? By the way, marijuana is a terrible, terrible drug. Alcohol is a terrible, terrible drug. And I don't care whether you're addicted to the nicotine or to the hand-to-mouth motion or, or to the smell of smoke in the air. Smoking is a dirty, filthy, wicked habit. So is overeating. But that's a whole lot more acceptable than the other ones now, isn't it? But does it do any less harm to your body? The truth were known now. And you're talking to the buffet man. I love to stop at all you can eat buffets when I travel. You know why? is you pay, you walk in, you stuff your face, you walk out, and in a regular restaurant, you haven't even ordered yet. And you're already back on the road, 
and you're nice and full and ready to go. But I'll tell you what, it's, it's hard not to overeat in those places. But let me tell you something. It's the prince of the power of the air that's working and leading us away from the Lord in all these directions. This is the course of the world. Now look at verse 3. So we don't get accused of looking down our noses at the rest of the world and, and sitting in our little ivory towers as they accuse us of doing sometimes. Look what verse 3 says. Among whom also we... What's that next word? Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. Does that leave anybody out? If you're not a sinner, you can't be quickened. Because you're not dead. But I want to challenge you, all have sinned and come short of glory of God. The only place you are sin-free is in your own mind. And that's a lie. The Bible says, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, here's what it is, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. God did not pick you because you're somebody special. He picked you because he's somebody special. Amen? This is, this is leading up to helping us grasp what this understanding of the love of God is. If we could see ourselves as God sees us, our first question would be, why does he love me? How many of you know enough about yourself to know that you're not very lovely of a person? Would you give testimony with that? I, I'm, I'm raising my hand. I understand this thing. You know, we love ourselves way too much, and that's why we don't understand the love of God. It, it's hard. But if we'll get a hold of this, you can have true joy and peace and the things that God wants you to have. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, where with he loved us. I wish I could just stop there and spend the whole time. In fact, this is the key verse to the whole message. God is rich in mercy. How many times have you come back to him as a Christian said, Lord, I've failed. I've strayed. I don't know why I do these things that I do. But I come back. It says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, but, but even though I prayed, I still feel, <coughs> feel guilty inside. Yeah, here's why. 
you're not understanding the love of God. You're still trying to hold on to your ability to make things right. And you can't do that. You remember how to obtain mercy? It's complete surrender. It is surrender to the point to where you now align yourself with He who is the victor. You are in a contest against God. That's what sin is, is it not? You lost the contest. You failed. You come to God. And you surrender to Him and say, Lord, I've sinned against you. And what does He do? He forgives our sins and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's mercy. You know what? God's rich in mercy. He never runs out. He's got more mercy than you have sin. Amen? If you can't say amen to that, you can't say amen to anything. God has more mercy than you can expend. Now, I'm sure we have some hot dog saying, Oh, wow, I can go out and do anything I want. No, no, no. God's mercy, see, here's the problem. Mercy, true mercy cannot be exploited. Because it's only given after a defeat. After an unconditional surrender. I've used this illustration many times. But the greatest illustration in, in living history in our, in our understanding was the surrender at Tokyo Bay at the end of World War II. That was an unconditional surrender. And the Japanese people then rebuilt not only their culture, their nation, their economy, their thinking based upon American thinking. And that's why they have such a strong, well, I should say had such a strong economy. Unfortunately, they followed us into the hinterland where we are today. But let me tell you something. We live in a world where people say, Mercy, mercy, I give up. And you let up. And then they grab a knife and try to get you again. You see, mercy can't be given until the defeat has been accomplished. Have you surrendered to God today? That's what salvation is. And every time we sin is just a confirming of what happened when you got saved. A reaffirming of what happened when you got saved. Amen? God is rich in mercy. Why? For his great love wherewith he loved us. Oh. Are you, are you seeing it yet? We were sinners. 
We rebelled against God. Everything we did was trying to prove that we were as good as God is, that we didn't need God, that we were trying to fulfill the lust of the flesh and the desires of our mind and our heart, only to find out that no matter how much you had, it wasn't enough. But God forgave, will forgive, if he hasn't yet, all your sins. You know what? God does not save righteous people. He saves sinners. Aren't you glad about that? God doesn't expect you to clean yourself up. He will only save you just as you are. But his love is so great, he's not going to let you stay that way. He's going to change you. And when we step out of the way, We've already signed the surrender. We can come back and be made one because his mercy is rich. Amen? He is rich in his mercy. He has quickened us together in Jesus Christ. For even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. This is how God made us alive. Romans 5, just listen, I'll read them carefully for you. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, if salvation were the end of our relationship with God, would that not be great enough? But I want to tell you something. It's not the end. It's only the beginning. Look what it says here in verse 6. He hath quickened us. Verse 1. Verse 6. He hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The psalmist said, he raised me up out of the miry clay. He pulled me out of the horrible pit. How many of you have been saved long enough to be able to give testimony to the improvement Christ has made in your life? Would you say amen to that? Amen. He's raised us up. I don't need to live on the plane which I once lived. I don't need to be subject to the same things, the same powers. Do Christians sometimes sin just like worldling sin? Well, I want to tell you there's only one variety of sin. And so when you sin, you're acting like the world. Is that not correct? Yeah. So what's the difference? Well, when I fall down, he picks me up again. Amen. He washes me off like the prodigal son that finally came home. 
Let me ask you a question. Was there any time in that story where the prodigal son was no longer the son of his father? No, he was always the son. But he enjoyed it a whole lot more when he came home the second time, didn't he? Because he understood just a little bit of the love of his father. You see, he has raised us up. Now, the next word I love, together. Together. Isn't that a wonderful word? The idea about together means there's got to be somebody else there. Together has the implication, especially if we read the rest of the passage here, that we're in agreement. Have you ever been together with a lot of people and found out you were the only one in the room that thought differently? Has anybody else ever had that happen? I work for the Board of Elections and there's been some times where things are going on and somebody would say something and everybody would laugh and I, I didn't. I say, What's wrong with you? Well, I'm one of those people that you're talking about. Oh, oh, we're sorry. Listen. It says he's raised us up together. I'm in agreement with Jesus Christ. How many of you wish you could be more in agreement with Jesus Christ? I mean, wouldn't that solve a lot of problems? Yes, it would. You see, I can't be together with Jesus, and we don't have time to chase this one out this morning, I cannot be together with Jesus unless I'm already together with the people that love Jesus. You see, that's what puts our church together. I'll tell you what, if it weren't for the Lord Jesus Christ, if it weren't for this book called the Bible, we'd be at each other's throats in a heartbeat. There wouldn't be anything that would make us get along. Brother Hiram's with us this morning. He's often joked, I don't, God's got a sense of humor to put me out in the country and you down in the city. But you know what? We've seen God put us together. And I really appreciate it when he brings deer meat. Amen. That's the only way I'm going to get any. But uh, I'll tell you what. Even though we're in different places, we still agree in ministry. We agree on the word of God. We agree on the heart and the soul of what we're trying to accomplish. That's why we're going to Home Missions Conference to find some other young men who want to start churches and get in agreement with them and help them along. Amen? Because he has raised us up together in Christ Jesus that means we're together with other people who believe this book called the Bible. And what do we do when people don't believe the Bible? Uh, we'll let Jesus worry about that. But I'm not together if you're not together. 
with Jesus. Amen? And it says, and made us sit in heavenly places. Sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? The Marshalls used to sing a song many, many years ago, if you got the old recordings. I'm already over on the other side, just waiting on my brand new body. Well, it's from this verse. As far as God's concerned, you're already in heaven. So why don't we enjoy some of those blessings now while we're here on earth? You know what? That's what church is supposed to be about. Amen? That's what serving the Lord is supposed to be about. Now we've got to keep moving or we'll never get done here. It goes on, he has raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Do you realize that it will take all of eternity to explain God's love toward us. That's His grace, His kindness. You see, God wants to use human examples, just as He's done all through the Scriptures. The Scriptures are full of stories of real people that really lived. These are not fables. There really was a Jonah that got swallowed by a real fish. And then was obedient to the Lord and went and preached. And still had a rotten attitude when it was all done. But it didn't stop the people from Nineveh from repenting and believing in God. Now did it. Amen? Doesn't that story tell you just a little bit about the love of God that he would even use Jonah? How about the story of Ruth? Sent a selfish, bitter woman to bring back a Moabite who was eventually adopted into the heritage of King David and even the Lord Jesus himself. God, it's going to take all eternity to tell about God's love. His kindness toward us. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you were in the wrong and you expected to be judged and to be punished and instead you got some kindness? You don't forget those things now, do you? But God is kind. He's not the doting grandfather sitting in the rocking chair saying, that's okay, you did the best you can. That's, that's so blasphemous. He knows everything you did. But he still says, come home. Read the book of Hosea. 
That's an awful book and the story. It's just terrible things. And God said, I want to use these terrible events as a message to you, O Israel, to come back to me because I'm kind. It's so much easier to serve God and fight the world than it is to serve the world and fight God. Amen? Because you're not going to find any kindness. If there's kindness in this world, it's always got a hook in it. It's always got a string attached. There's always something connected to it. Always get nervous. Somebody says, well, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I have no intention of scratching your back. If it needs it that bad, I'll buy you a back scratcher. You can do it yourself. Amen? Listen. We don't need false kindness. We need to understand that God is so full of kindness. He's not going to just thump you. Now look at your salvation. For by grace, that's God's goodness, that's unmerited favor, that's which we do not deserve. We do not deserve. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Faith is simply believing God's word. The Bible says, for all have sinned. You know what? I believe it. Includes me. And comes short of the glory of God. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. August 28th, 1977. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? He saved me. He saved me because of his great love. I've stopped trying to accomplish his word and just believed it. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. The faith does not come from you. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. It's God's love. Now, for we are his, what? Workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. How many of you have been serving the Lord long enough to know of a time in your life when you opened your eyes and said, Hey, I actually did something according to the Bible by God's power and not by my own. Isn't that great? It actually worked the Bible way this time. You know what you're doing? You're reaffirming His love. You're understanding His love. He created you. He wants to craft you. He wants to make you something that will bring glory to His name. I heard a preacher saying, I got so happy on when I was saved, I just wish, the day I got saved, I just wish I could do it again. I got thinking about that. I said, there's something wrong with that. 
Because in order to get saved again means I've got to get lost again. And the Bible says that can't happen. But guess what? Every time I let him get out the chisel and knock off an offending corner, I ought to understand that I'm not getting saved again. But I'm reaffirming everything he did on the day of my salvation. I'm living my salvation. Does that mean it doesn't hurt? Oh, no, it does. But he's making me, conforming me to the image of his son. The more Christ-like you are when you get to heaven, the more you're going to enjoy heaven. Let me tell you something. Could we grasp a little bit of God's love? Do you think that would help you when the tempter comes knocking at your door? Do you think it would help you when you're in despair and you don't understand where you're going to go? Do you think it would help you when you have a need? Let me tell you, there's no part of your life that God's love can't fix. It's re-demonstrated every day when I surrender to his workmanship. All God's people said. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, We need to understand your love. We need to live in your love each and every day. Lord, our prayer is that you'd work during this time of invitation. Lord, that no one here would withhold from you what is due to you. First of all, our soul, our very being, everything that we are in complete and total surrender. That is salvation. Then, Lord, every day, realizing that your love is keeping us from sin, that your love will make us want the things that you want, your love is the answer to every hurt that we face. Lord, teaches. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Have Brother Franz come and lead us in the end.